Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. What's up, After Buzzers? What's up, Sacred Lies fans? We're here to break down episode eight. We have so much in stock. We have a wedding. Vivian puts her sewing skills to the test and we have a very special guest so stay tuned you're tuned in to after buzz tv the espn of tv talk now let the buzz (laughs) hey guys we are back as i said for episode eight what an episode i was i was on edge of my seat the whole time in case you guys don't know, my name is Juliet. I am your host. I am here with the lovely Dakota T. Jones. How you doing? I am so good. This episode, Wedding Day, was so great and had us on the edges of our seat, like you said. And um, we actually got to watch some of it together, which was so much fun to play off each other's reactions. <sighs> so good. And guys, we have a very special guest with us here. Ellen McCoy, welcome to After Buzz. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. You uh, wrote tonight's episode yes. uh, along with, I believe it was episode four. Is that yes. a, Am I correct? Cool. So we cannot wait to see what you guys have in, what you have in stock for us we have lots of questions and of course taylor taylor gates how are you i'm so good i'm so excited to break down this episode it was so good <laughs> well guys i mean i don't even know where to start we have so much we have things happening inside the prison we have things happening in solitary con- confinement that we're going to break down we obviously have the um, flashbacks with what happened with the, the actual wedding and the non-wedding her escaping uh some more Dr. Wilson and Bailey, just so much to uncover. And of course, at the end of the episode, you want to stay tuned because Taylor is going to do a little game that we call Trivia with Taylor. Yes. <laughs> so um, give me, I mean, we kind of did overall thoughts. So let's get right into it. Let's talk directly. Let's talk about these flashbacks. The, the, for me, they were like, they were insane. Uh, they really answered a lot of questions that were on our minds, just how everything went down. Um I was in such pain just seeing this poor little Mina just waking up and you could see that she's just without her hands. Like, I mean, can you imagine just waking up without your hands? That's a loaded question within itself. But, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that? I honestly could not even imagine. And And not only did she have to wake up without any hands, but then the news that she was hit with, like, right after that was just, like, she didn't even have time to process that she didn't have hands yet. She wasn't even there yet. So the fact that she had that bomb dropped on her as well was just, like... I just don't know how it could get any worse for her, really. Yeah. yeah. I try to, like, view um, Vivian's character in a different light after having Leah on last week. And I definitely can see it after she said, like, oh, it's just, like, a tough love thing. I'm really trying to, like, view it from that perspective. And I could see it a little bit more in this episode. Like, I don't know, just her facial expressions. But, gosh, she is just so... She's so manipulative. And, like, we get the information that she's, like squealing on Menno and sharing all of these theories to the cops and I don't know it's just it was so interesting to see her character especially in this just after last week's after show I feel like yeah that's a great point because uh, last week uh, she talked about how you know in a way she's seeing this as her redemption and she she you seeing her so and she has a smile on her face and I'm like oh my gosh but in her brain it's her stepdaughter who's gonna get married and everything's gonna be okay her her hands are gonna grow back 
but uh, that's not what happens. No. <laughs> that is not what happens. Um, but Alan, I have a question for you. Yes. Before we get too much into this, I mean, this is such a great show and such a great project. What pushed you to be part of this? Um, well, I was very lucky that Rail reached out to me. I'd written a um, um, a pilot that she'd read called Monster, which tonally there's some elements of it that were similar uh, in her writing and in my writing that, that she responded to. So she invited me to you know sit down and talk to her about the project, and I think um, it was that, and also the fact that um, we're going to be we were dealing with issues of, of faith and belief, and uh, uh, she knew that I have a kind of a strong belief system, and we had people in the room that had varying uh, beliefs. So I think she just wanted that sense of diversity of people in the room, like those who believed in God, those who didn't believe in God, those who had come out of cults. You know, yeah, we're you know the room had had a wide range of. Uh, belief systems in it and she wanted I think you know my perspective on what I believed in as well I think it definitely came through because Mm -hmm. like like we talked about in the past few episodes there's so many different uh religions that is talked about and and no one is kind of like left out which Mm -hmm. is which is cool so that that was that's interesting to know that they really brought a diverse group in to kind of talk about it in the beginning uh, stages Mm -hmm. yes it was great I mean uh you know I grew up watching a lot of science fiction so um, I, you know, my belief, uh, in God isn't, isn't, doesn't negate my love of science. Mm-hmm. So it was, I think when we, we got into discussions about quantum physics as well as about religion, I think she found that interesting and yeah. it, it, you know, that would allow me to add to the room. Did you, I mean, being in a room with so many talented writers and as you're saying with people with such different backgrounds, did you learn anything that me surprised you having these conversations about faith? Um, just that there's so much commonality. I think at the mm-hmm. uh, at the core of all faiths, um, what people are seeking is love, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's what people want to find. They want to find love. They want to find connection. And uh, I think at, at the core, all of us know that that's that's what matters. That would make that's what what it means to be human. Yeah. That makes sense. That, that that's I appreciate that. <laughs> um, but yes, we do have this wedding that takes place, and I was actually surprised that Constance, her little sister, is rather upset, and she starts crying. And she's like, "I wish I were the one getting married." Um, <sighs> did that? I mean, okay, what's that side? What do you want? <laughs> that really just made me sad because it just goes to show how someone at such a young age was manipulated into believing that this was so real like everything that the prophet was saying about charlie and all all the very skewed ideas that they were throwing out there so it really made me sad because i have a little sister that reminds me a lot of constance just like the age wise of uh, minnow and constance and so i was just like sick to my stomach thinking what if my sister were put in that situation and she was so believing something that was so messed up so i was just like my heart hurt for her because she didn't know any better and she was just taught something her whole life and something so perverse she wanted because she thought that was what was right. Yes. Yeah. Really sad. And it's just sad because they like used to be so, so close. And I, we talked about how Minna was kind of like a mother figure to mm-hmm. her in a way after her own... Um, after their own mom died, and so the fact that she was like really angry at Minnow, like as opposed to just being sad, like you could feel like resentment, and mm-hmm. that really killed me because I love their like sisterly relationship, and so to see it kind of start dissolving over this is like devastating. Yeah, it's also seeing someone who wants to be accepted, and it's like so, you know so desperate to be accepted by something that you know they'll go to any lengths to do that. I think that's what's you know disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even, like, the lines, they were, like, just had me so, like, as we talked about last week, hashtag shook. Yeah. Um, Like, she was saying, like, you know, I pray all the time. I 
like repent i do all these things and it had to be you and i was just like oh my gosh like that's just uh like even talking about it gives me <laughs> chill bumps it's crazy yeah she's definitely she has this reality they all do and they just believe this is what i mean this is all a great thing i mean as viewers we're seeing this wedding scene unravel everyone including her father seems really happy and is celebrating as a magical wedding which it, it's not it's so dark um how was it putting this scene together just you know written form now we what we got to see uh on screen well it was great i mean yeah. it, you know what's great about it is uh, that rail gave me the freedom and gave us as a room the freedom to you know to write something that was really both dark and impactful but also very emotional mm-hmm. uh, we really wanted to sort of get into the impressionistic nature of how she felt in that in, you know to be in that situation and i think that's I don't know. It was it was it was powerful to also see it come out exactly as we wrote it, and uh, you know that's my hats off to uh, the director for, that's a really for making good that point happen. Because you could definitely see like from her perspective, I feel like it was very like first person point of view in a way, mm-hmm. and even like the humming was so like sinister and creepy sounding. Like the wedding march, I was oh. like, oh, this music is like really getting me. I know, and like she didn't have time to heal. Like like she was still <sighs> bleeding, and and. She literally wakes up from this nightmare and she realizes it wasn't a nightmare and then she has to be flung into another nightmare. It was just like crazy. One thing after the other. Yeah. And that scene with the blood actually dripping on the paddle made me think of a scene a few episodes back where there's the candy. Remember that? The Valentine's mm-hmm. Day episode. And there's the fight and then the blood right next to oh. it. Is that Was that something that was deliberate? Or? It was deliberate. Okay, cool. Yes, there's always a sense of this, you know, we're fighting the... Sort of the darkness and the light, you know, beauty and horror are, you know, we're always fighting sort of, between, you know, oscillating between those two things. And it's, uh, it's terrifying, but it's also very emotional. Yeah. yeah. I really was. So much thought goes into everything, though, which is incredible. And just to shout some people out in the chat, uh, Cassandra Thorpe, or, yeah, wants to know, will we get a season two? Which obviously we don't know yet, but do you feel like if they did come back for a season two, you would definitely be on board to I would love to. I would yeah. love to. I would be, uh, I mean, this is... I've written for many, many years. I've written all kinds of things. And I, I, I have to say that this is probably my, some of my proudest work. I'm so happy that I got a chance to do this and that mm-hmm. Rael, you know, trust me to, you know, take a revision, be able to create something within it like this. And to get to do two episodes has just been fantastic. Yeah. Right. Well, in this episode with, with these flashbacks, we have this wedding scene. She faints and then she escapes. I was so happy. I was watching this in front of my screen. I was like, yes, finally. And she does so with the help of um, Rose. Rose, of Rose. I thought that was such a sweet moment. And I was I was also a little surprised that, there, that Rose was on her side. But was that surprising to you, Taylor? No, honestly, no. Because I don't know. Like, even though, like, they have that history with her, obviously, her feet being burned after they were reading the fairy tales together. I feel like Rose has not... She's still not, like, submitted to this cult mentality. And mm-hmm. just every scene you see her, like, you, you can tell that she's just not in it. Like, she still very much doesn't believe. And after um, last episode when she was arrested and she kept thanking the cops, I was like, yeah, she's she's never been really super on board with this. And no. I just love how sort of selfless she was. She was like, you have to go without mm-hmm. me. I'm going to slow you down. And, I mean, there could definitely be huge consequences for her if she was supposed to be watching Minnow. Mm-hmm. But she is just one of the most selfless characters, and I really, really have loved to see her throughout the flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested to know, like, what's going to happen, though, because if, I mean, obviously Minnow escaped, I wonder if they're going to do anything to Rose again. 
And this time I feel like it's going to be worse than the last time. So I really hope that she's going to be okay. Obviously, we saw that she was rescued. And she, I don't know, she's most likely going to go to jail for the cult involvement. Or maybe, maybe eventually not, she'll be, because go to I'm, juvie. But what crime has she committed? She hasn't committed. The reason why Mino's in juvie is not because she was part of a cult. It's because she she uh, aggravated, assaulted someone. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was within the kidnapping. Like, she didn't kidnap Dr. Wilson, but she was... Maybe like a bystander. That's interesting theory. I don't. I don't. I feel like that's a stretch. But I mean, as we've seen, I'm sorry. In this juvie system, a lot of things are not really. I would say right. And we talked about this a little bit more. And they actually, we had Angel talk about the prison system and how you know you're in juvie and you're really likely to go to adult prison. You're if you leave, you're about, you're very likely to come back. And I really enjoyed that the show takes. You know, real life. I mean, I'm assuming real life statistics, which yeah, they are, um, and bring them into a conversation because I think they're important conversations to be had. Were you ever aware of this a prison system and how juvies uh, kind of all plays along? So the surprise, no, yeah, it surprised me because I thought. I mean, of course, what you want to believe is that whenever you go to juvie, that you're able to find yourself and that you're able to like learn how to behave or to to get better as most people put it and then you're sent out into the regular world hopefully what some people would hope to be fixed and so that's what everyone kind of thinks or the common belief and yep. so um yeah, we did a lot of we did a lot of research about yeah. that i mean it's really frightening when you think about this sort of juvie to prison pipeline and that uh, the prison systems in many ways are profit systems and that they want to fill up a lot of these, you know, a lot of these prisons are, are just for profit. And so filling them with bodies is important to them. So it's not about um, trying to rehabilitate people. It's about, you know, sort of feeding a machine that is being, that is, you know, making money off of this. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, horrifying. That yeah. is, that's like not even the real meaning of what it should be. It's, it's really skewed and very sad. And, and, and it's horrifying because if you get caught into something like that, like Angel, then you are sentenced to all this time and you're not going to be able to live your life. And like here you are trying to protect yourself from someone who is hurting you and then you're the one that takes the blame. And it's just really sad because it's like, okay, what was the alternative? Her not speaking out or not killing him and and being in that situation for years and years and years? Like, I think, I mean, I think protecting herself, she made the right choice, but then now it's sad because she's not being treated as if it were the right choice. Exactly. And then in the system, you'll have kids that are, in for very small offenses, you know, it could be just truancy or something mm-hmm. of that nature. And then they're, they find themselves, um, meeting other, you know, people and, and they come out of the system worse than they went in and they create, they, you know, they, they perform more violent crimes. They end up going back into the system and it's just, it's a repeating cycle. Right. Well, um, I think focus equals feeling. And it's true that I think you're, when you're in the system, you're surrounded by people who have committed crimes and you're probably, you know, you're with guards, you're being talked at as a criminal. It's probably hard to detach yourself of that. You're probably saying, oh, this is how I'm being, you know, perceived. This is therefore I am, which I really hope that that won't be the reality. And hopefully, you know, the bridge program will help that. Mm -hmm. But do you, Taylor, do you have a lot of faith in this bridge program? Um, I want to. I, I don't know about the program itself, but I think the people behind it, like, do really have, like, the best intentions. Like, we saw, obviously, Miss Bailey has been a really good figure, and I think that she's somehow somewhat involved with that, just being, you know, a teacher at the school. And then we have Mrs. New, who um, was the teacher in the classroom talking about the program. And I was, like, a little bit skeptical of her at first, honestly, just because we haven't seen her be really, like, 
emotional or connect with any of them, but I don't want to jump ahead too much, but when she gave Minnow the talk in solitary confinement, I was like, oh, I do believe in this woman now. Like, she maybe shows it a bit more tough love-like, but I don't know. I love the fact that we, like, even in the darkness and, like, the, you know, skewedness of the juvie system, like, we have these lights and these people who actually are really trying to help, and so I think there definitely is hope in the bridge program. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, and I was really touched by Angel writing that, you know, letter for her. Were you surprised that the letter was actually for Minnow and not for herself? The yeah. essay? Yeah, we were, us three were watching it together and I was over here like, oh, wow, I can't believe Angel's like showing her soft side. And, and then, and then whenever it wasn't for her, I was like, are you kidding? Like, not only does Angel have a soft side, but she's so selfless that she's going to give that to Minnow because she really believes in Minnow and thinks that she's able to get out and, and to live her life. And so she's like, look, you created, or you had like a less um, offense than I did. So you have a better chance of getting out. And so it was very selfless and very touching and, uh, it was crazy, but... She's but, a good writer, too. Yeah. Like, that was a great letter. I was like, you have a gift. You should keep writing. Yeah. <laughs> and well, Minnow's reading so quickly, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so impressed with well, her. Shout out to Stephanie, the, you know, the, the, you know, the novelist. Mm-hmm. And that speech, really, just we pulled it right out of the book. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. It was great. That's oh. really awesome. Yeah, okay. that was so touching and just so... Like, we were just sitting there watching, like, all of us, like, looking at the screen so intensely. And I think that's what's so great about this show is it really does pull you in. There's a lot of shows that I watch that, like, they're in the background. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay, I see this plot point and I'm busy doing something else. Mm -hmm. And every time I watch this show, I can never just, like, half watch it. Like, I have to be fully watching because I don't want to miss anything. And then I know that there's just so many things going on that I just have to know what's going on. That says a lot about a show, especially for us millennials. We like to (laughs) do a lot. Yeah. (laughs) How is it as a writer to, you know, have this book and have this novel to, you know, kind of inspire yourself with, but you also have to do it justice? How do you find that balance? Oh, it's, excuse me, it's, I mean, what's great is, A, that, you know, Rail created a room that allowed us to, to have that balance and to, you know, kind of have equal voices in the room and sort of run it through her as this filter to create, you know, to create the best possible show. I mean, we'd have moments where we'd have entire ideas, you know, sort of broken on a board and then realize there's something missing here and let's let's take it down and start over again Mm -hmm. and then let's or let's go back to the book there were times when we would when she asked us to all take the book and just you know what were our favorite uh lines what were favorite themes and i'll just come back in and kind of pour that you know sort of onto the table and then you know sort of figure it out like what what comes through the service what are we trying to say what are the themes that we're trying to to go for so it's all in the book i mean we're really trying to you know trying to to do justice to it because that's the source material we're all writers we all respect um what a writer's trying to say and what stephanie was trying to say so we're trying to do to do justice to it and the fact that um rail found this book you know so long ago and tried to make it as a movie and then try i believe she tried to make this movie but uh, then as an, as a, she wrote the pilot kind of on her own, mm-hmm. uh, because she loved the material and loved what it was, what it was saying. And, uh, you know, I, my hat's off to her because, you know, you have to have somebody who has a vision to make these things happen. And starting with that book, respecting the book, following the vision, making the show. Yeah. I love how diligent she was because she was telling us how many hoops that she had jumped through. She tried to make it as a movie. She tried to do, um, obviously on network television and then finally 
uh, through this amazing streaming service, which I think is a great pioneer show for yes. Facebook Watch. So I think it found its home and where it should be. Um, but just the fact that she never gave up and kept going and had so much faith in the project was great because that diligence led us here, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Yeah, exactly. that's true. You have to, you know, if things are hard, you got to stick with it. I mean, look at this little minnow who no, no hands, doesn't know how to read. And now she is. She's reading this essay. She's writing with um, her limbs. I mean, it. I just really enjoy this character because you're really rooting for her. Mm-hmm. In this episode, I really, you know, always want to be on her side and want to root for her. But there seems to be some kind of, I want to say even flip because her naivety and her overall maybe positivity is kind of gone with this with angel telling her about the prison system and we see her you know get really upset because she feels that she's been lied to which she has by dr wilson with this letter and she just starts flipping out do you have hope that she's going to come back to her old self or do you think she's forever changed by this revelation I think that she will like get her positivity back, but I think that she is changing in a good way. Like I think that she's, you know, just becoming more worldly and like more knowledgeable and I think that's going to be good for her. Like obviously they're hard hard lessons, um but in the end I think that she does need some of these experiences. You know what I mean? It's making her tougher. Yeah. Hmm. Is this something that was in the script was kind of written between the lines or, you know, as uh, notes, just that this flip or this intensity, at least? Yes. Everything you see is is deliberate. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the actors bring so much to it and and uh, we rely on them to kind of infuse it with this with as much dimension as as, and, and, you know, take what's on the page and just fill it with life. Um, but yes, we sit down and deliberately, you know, think about the transitions and the subtext and what we're trying to say with the characters. And you have this, you know, in Minnow where she's in this kind of between world where she was in this, you know, horrible situation, in the cult, but then she's not in back in the real world in a sense and is on this journey of trying to find out who she is and what she believes. And in that journey, you know, being in a place like this, there's light and there's darkness, there's hope and then there's despair. And so... How do you balance that when you're in a situation like this? That's the journey that she's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's doing so much. And and I've said this in past episodes, but every time those scenes are happening, so we have Dr. Wilson who's sitting with her and she's being inter- interrogated. Sorry, what's the word? Interrogated. 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 Yeah. And um, <laughs> Dr. Wilson's like, you don't have to answer. You don't have to do this. I'm screaming at my television. I was like, where is a lawyer. This whole time of the show, she doesn't have a lawyer. This Dr. Wilson works for the FBI. Yes, he's been a a mentor and a friend in a sense. He's still like, you know, he has another agenda. And this always upsets me. I'm like, no one's really looking out for her, right? right? They just want answers. They, They honestly, I feel like a lot of the times whenever people are interrogated, especially children, I see this on a lot of shows, they are always like starting to be interrogated right then and there because they just want answers. They don't want to deal with the logistics of everything. They want it now. They don't want to have to wait. Paperwork, basically. Yeah. So that's why I love it when characters come up and they're like, "Look, you don't have to say anything right now. Like, we can protect you. We can get you a lawyer." But there's always those people who are just looking out for themselves and what they want to know, and they're not thinking about the kid at all, yeah. which is really heartbreaking. So I love how even though um, he messed up by obviously lying to her in the beginning. You can definitely tell he has the best interest at heart with her because he, you can just see it in his eyes. And even for her to be upset with him, I understand. But the fact that he's saying, you don't have to answer that, you don't have to answer that. She should see, okay, maybe he did lie, but you can still see that he still 
is caring enough to not try to get me in trouble right now and to make sure that I have the proper representation before I say anything else. Yeah, but again, she's dealing with so much. And, um, yeah, she got really upset. And Bailey got upset, too. You know, they on the beginning of the episode, they seemed, you know, very lovey-dovey. Everything's going fine. But that did not last long. No. I was glad, though, because I didn't okay. want her to just be, like, taken with him all of a sudden and, like, forget where, you know. Because she loves those kids, and you can tell that she loves those kids. And the fact that love is not blinding her, she's not looking at him with these rose-colored glasses, like, speaks to her character. Like, I like that she's very firm on it and, like... Those kids are her number one priority, and I like that. Cool. Yes, we wanted her to like bounce him off that car a couple times. <laughs> yeah, she did. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she was like, whenever she did it the first time, I was like, oh wow, and then she kept doing it. And yeah. I was like, she means business, but it just goes to show, like you said, how much she really cares and how much she is so. She really loves. She doesn't love him because she doesn't like know him like that yet. But she really cares about Doctor Wilson. Really wants to see where that relationship's going to go. But at the same time, she's not letting it blind her. Like, right. I feel like a lot of characters are written to be blind to mm. their lover's problems or the way that they act because they're, oh, well, that's just them. We love them so much. But the fact that she was able to be like, this is not okay, I love how that was written because it just goes to show that not you're not gonna, it's not all roses and sunshine and you're going to agree with everything that your partner says or does. Right. But it's also the fact that, I mean, she's that, what Bailey recognizes is that she's the link for Minnow. Mm. She was on, you know, the road towards kind of recovery and growth and truth and, and, and trust was, was, you know, going through him. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, to have that ripped away, it means, oh, uh, you know, is she going to be, you know, sort of torn back to, to, to zero right. again? And that's terrifying for yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah G in the chat says that Minnow might not even know what a lawyer is, which honestly is <laughs> probably true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She probably doesn't know what that is. So I could see true. that not even registering with her because she's just, like, already upset. Yeah, but it shouldn't be on her. It should be, like... <laughs> Would she trust a lawyer, though? Too? No. She... I don't know that she trusts anyone at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. I mean, how could she, poor girl? Yeah. Um, When you guys are, you know, obviously you, you have a novel and you're writing all these characters, is there... Do you have, like, a tagline for each one? And if if could you make one up <laughs> now on the spot when it, came, it comes to Bailey, for instance? What do you think, you know, a short sentence to sum up who she truly is? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> who is Bailey? Mm-hmm. I think... Um, well, it's hard to, to sum them up in a sentence because okay. one of the things that we tried to do is make these characters multi-layered you know, multi yeah. and give them a lot of dimension. So we definitely don't want a character that you can boil down to one yeah. sentence. We want a character that has, you know, all these different layers to her. So Cool. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. yeah, I do. I really like that. I, it's true. And all you guys do a great job. All your characters are so have so many dimensions to them. And um, you have Doctor Wilson who drinks a little too much and maybe lies a minnow. But again, we I believe he has a sweet heart. We saw this even more so when he goes and t- tries to get those um, hands for mm-hmm. her that are really expensive. Uh, but one hundred fifty thousand <laughs> per hand. Each. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. So he, I'm like, whenever he like had the bottle and he was like drinking again, I looked over at them and I'm like, he does not need to be drinking right now. What he needs to be doing is figuring out how he's going to muster up $300,000. Yeah. <laughs> That's yes. what he needs to do. Oh my gosh. Do you think he's going to be able to, Taylor? I, I don't know. I'm like really torn because in, in one respect, I was like, oh, that would be a great ending for her to like finally get these hands. But at the same time, like she seems to be doing fine without them. Like, I don't know that she even necessarily needs them you know what i mean i feel like she's kind of like owning who she is and adapting to this life and she just sees it as part of herself so i don't know i'm kind of going back and forth on whether they're gonna take it there or not i feel like they will take it there just because yes it's always going to be a part of who she is Mm -hmm. but it's not like she's going to be able to disguise that they are 
bionic hands. Like mm-hmm. it's still she's still herself, but she's just using them as tools to help her with her everyday life. That's true. So I feel like it's not like oh she's got new hands, everything's better. It's just that's always who she's going to be, and that's a part of her story and a part of her life. But maybe these can help make things a little bit more comfortable because the other ones that she had were just more for aesthetic and not actually for anything other than making other people less uncomfortable. Right. Where these are actually going to be very helpful for her in her everyday life and everyday tasks. So that's why I really hope that she embraces them and somehow she's able to get them. And I feel like they probably wouldn't bring it up in the story if it weren't going to come into fruition. Is it fruition? Yeah. Yes. Sure. I'm making up a word? Okay. Later down in, in the story. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is true. And that's a very, very smart, smart point there. But I don't know. I'm kind of between you two because I, I feel that that's not her main issue right now. Her main issue is to get out of juvie, figure out where she's going to, you know, hopefully not go to prison, but hopefully find a home where she can live. Just there's, I feel like there's other priorities. She has such a long list of things that she needs to overcome. Uh, but yes, that would be that would be a nice touch. So hopefully we'll see. Um, but I think that kind of sums up. We didn't really talk that much about her in solitary, um, which were really strong scenes. I don't know if, you, if there's anything you want to talk a little bit more about that or just the episode in general. If there's anything you want to bring up. I do want to talk about her conversation with Crystal in solitary because I thought that was a really, really powerful moment um, when we were watching it together. I actually cried the first time I watched it when oh. she like put her breath on the window and um, played tic-tac-toe back. Because this is like a definitely a different side of Crystal that we haven't really seen. We've seen her as sort of this villain, this bad guy, but we know that that's not how these writers write their characters. <laughs> and so I love that we got the other side of her. Like, she's very very like depressed person like she mm-hmm. doesn't think anyone wants to be her friend she's you know like a, a security level three or something she said um and so i thought that was interesting to see that and i love that minnow kind of gave her that little piece of hope even literally just by doing the little tic-tac-toe thing i think that really like could change her life to be honest with you and so i hope we kind of see more of her too i don't think that we would necessarily have brought this up if we if we didn't so i hope we get at least a little bit more of her to see kind of how she's yeah. i mean it's like the poignant moment where she says um <clears throat> excuse me that you know if you had if you had hands would you be my friend yeah and, oh. and then she's like, yeah sure but she just throws it away and she says no you know you're lying yeah everyone, then lies, every, in everyone lies in here which is also you know kind of like you know forgive dr wilson yeah mm-hmm. you know? so oh, i'm so smart i even think of that there's so many, this is why I love having our writers in because there's so many layers as you're, we keep saying and you, you brought up. It's, you're right, everyone lies, so do forgive Dr. Wilson. Yeah. And I hope that registers. Obviously, right. this leads into like the last thing that happened in the episode, but um, Sarah G comments again. Thanks for watching. She says, Do you think Minnow really killed the prophet or did she just perceive that she has? Because you know how she thinks that she like killed God in the very beginning, she talks about like. Her right. aggravated assault with the the guy who had like the the green, green eyes. eyes. So um, at the very end, she admits that she actually was responsible, and I was not expecting that at all. So there's a theory going around on the community page. I'm in there all the time, you guys. I read this like because there's I get notifications for these posts like like every ten minutes, and I always am like curious <laughs> what everyone's saying, so I read them. And there's a really smart theory going around that she killed him by maybe taking his inhaler oh. because he needs that obviously to live, and so he like she like maybe killed him by kind of extension or like you know not directly but sort of indirectly because you know Ooh. he wouldn't have been 
able to get to his inhaler. So that would be a really I like that idea. theory a lot. And maybe that I think that that's what I'm kind of leaning towards I like too. That. We'll talk a little bit more about theories uh, in our prediction segment, but right now I really want to get into your trivia. Yeah, we do. Trivia <laughs> with Taylor. Trivia, trivia with, with Taylor. Taylor. All right. Oh, wow, I love this music. Thank you. <laughs> so, obviously, this was a wedding day. I was like, so we're going to do some wedding statistic trivia. Um, okay, so how long does the average American engagement last? A, 12 months, B, 15 months, or C, 18 months? I want to say 12 months. 18. F- 15. <laughs> 15 is correct. Whoa, right. Which I honestly think is way too long. Really? I'm just throwing that out there. But you need time to reserve the church. Okay, yeah. sure. But does it take 15 months to reserve a church? Maybe it does. I've never gotten married before. But I do think that you should, if you really think that you are ready to get married and you're going to be engaged. The next day you should be married. Like, not the next day, but maybe just like in a couple months. All like, right. This is TMI maybe, but I'm like waiting until marriage. And so it's like if you're going to get engaged, you're going to have so much time to like tempt yourself in like 15 months. But so you like, need time to get the flowers. Yeah. <laughs> a marriage, a marriage is like a film production. You have to, like, okay. you know, all right, all right. It's it's all the deal. prep, and you've got to prepare everything. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's it an ordeal. Okay. Yeah. Maybe Just because you said this, I feel like you watched yourself be engaged for, like, three years. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm struggling to find the wedding. I don't know. What else you got, Taylor? <laughs> all right. Question number two. What is the average age of brides in the U.S.? Is it A, 23, B, 26, or C, 29? I'm going to say 29 because people are getting older now before they get engaged. I'm say 26. I'll, I'll, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm purposely not looking at the paper. <laughs> 29, I'll, I'll say. It's 29. <laughs> Good job, guys. Good job, nice. you. And guys, make sure to hop in our chat and let yes. us know. Yes. And for guys, it's 31. Just a little Ooh. bonus fact for you guys. So it's mm. a little bit older. Interesting. All right. So last question. What is the most popular month for weddings in the United States? Is it A, May, B, July, or C, October? May. May. Uh, May. It's October, guys. Is it October? I was surprised, too. Our engineer, Brianna, was not surprised by that at all, though, because she said the weather, because it's not too hot, not too cold, usually in October. In spring, you might have rain, and summer, it's too hot. Every wedding I've ever been to is always May. Seriously. I got married in December. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) But my birthday's in October. There you go. Happy early birthday. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, that's trivia time with Taylor, guys. Very (laughs) awesome. Um, we're running short on time, so every I want to make sure we ask you all the questions that are yeah. on our brain. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything, or do you want me to go for go it? Go for it. Okay. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit about how you got involved into this project, and we talked about you know just being in a room with different people and learning about faith. In terms of writing, did you learn anything from this process of just being in a writing room and bouncing off of each other? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Love of collaboration. Uh, being in a room with people that are so smart and so committed and love the project, there's nothing, there is nothing like being in a room, and especially this room. Mm-hmm. The people um, who I worked with on Sacred Lives, I mean, were fantastic. Uh, I, I haven't worked with people that are like this before, and it's just been mm-hmm. great. As a writer, I've always worked on my own, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to, 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 and to just go in there every day and just bounce ideas back and forth with people that are smarter than you and have different perspective and, and come at it from different angles and it's, it and to create just a, a fully well-rounded project like this. It's, it's, it's great. There's That's nothing awesome. like it. I just Be- want to know if there is a favorite, like, because I feel like we have, like, almost three parts of the show. Like, there's Juvie, there's the cult flashbacks, and then there's kind of the outside world with 
Miss um, Bailey and Dr. Wilson. Do you have like a favorite of those or like a favorite storyline or character? Like what is what is your like, you know, favorite parts to develop? I enjoyed writing the storyline, you know, for the origin of, of Kevin. Yeah. And it's because I have a degree in psychology. Oh. So it's interesting for me to kind of delve into that. And then also on the other side of that, Dr. Wilson, because of, of you know, He's coming at it from from that perspective, mm-hmm. studying cults and asking questions as to you know why people you know uh, carry out the things that they do, kind of in the name of God, you know, like if, you know Koresh or you know Jim Jones or anything mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that's also fascinating because that fast those are the things that fascinate me. Yeah, so. very cool. Yeah, that's very awesome. Cool. And I did. I know we don't have a lot of time for predictions. I did want to say a fan's prediction. Jared John says, "I think that Minnow is covering for Jude, who is the one who killed the prophet and started the fire." And we talk about how he. She was so upset, at, like, whenever she talked to Dr. Wilson about him in the past, like, wait, you're not going to get him in trouble, are you? You're going to leave him alone. And so I could see her trying to cover for him. Hmm, so that way he's not brought into I like that theory. Yeah. yeah. I think it's an interesting theory. Um, a couple last questions, sorry. <laughs> um, you said that you're used to writing alone and just being part of this collaborative thing was just so great. Is do you have any tips or when someone who's coming who's used to doing work by themselves and being in this collaborative environment, are there times where you have to maybe put your ego in check and be like, no, this is not my story. It's our story. Exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, you're there to serve there. You're there to serve the vision of the showrunner. Mm -hmm. There's one person, I mean, rail has a vision and we're there to serve that vision and try to bring what's in her head to the screen, the way she has envisioned it. But she's turning to us to be kind of an extension of her brain mm-hmm. and she's asking us questions, you know, come, you know, come in with ideas because she doesn't know everything and wants us to bring something to the table. But yes, check your ego at the door. This, you know, you, you know, we all own the series. We all own it and we all, we're all part of it. And so we're proud of every single moment uh, in it. Every episode, we all put, you know, some sweat and blood and, and love into each and every episode. And, uh, and you see the result. Yeah, we de- you definitely do. It does mm-hmm. definitely shows. All right, last question, and then we pr- I promise we're wrapping. <laughs> um, Taylor's an amazing writer, and I know a lot of people who watch the show are aspiring writers or aspiring to be in this industry. Do you have any quick tidbits on how how to do so? Yes, always be writing. Um, write something that you love. Write uh, today. There's so much television. I would really uh, tell writers to focus on television. Write a TV pilot, uh, something that you love, something that only you. That speaks. That is uh, uniquely your voice. Don't don't spec uh, someone other someone else's show. Don't write a spec episode of you know whatever whatever show that you loved or or an old episode of Breaking Bad. Write something that you have a passion for that tells a story that speaks to who you are mm-hmm. that shows your voice. And uh, and because television is a writer's medium, and you know where feature films that's more of a director's medium. If you if you're a writer and you have a story that you want to tell. Right now, television is just continuing to explode, and you really need to be be in there. Right, very cool. That. Very well, good. Thank advice. you so thank much you. for coming on yeah, uh, and sharing this platform with us. We, we've enjoyed every thank second you. of it. Thank you. And unfortunately, we're out of town, but you know we'll be here uh, next week. In the meantime, please make sure to hop into that community, the Sacred Lies community. You also, if you want to, can follow me on Instagram at Bonjour Juliet. And what about you guys? Tell them where they you can find you. You can find me everywhere at Mr. Dakota T. Jones. Alan. I'm out there writing. Okay, great. I love it. Thank you. You guys can find me on Twitter at alphabet underscore and on Instagram at Taylor underscore Gates underscore. I also made a Which Sacred Lies Character Are You quiz, and I will post that link on Twitter because I want to know what you guys all got because it's very exciting to see the results of that. Awesome. Thank you, Taylor. All right, bye, guys. Bye.
From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you, you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.